Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Hello and uh, welcome once again. We want to welcome you to our online service. My name is Nestor Flores. If you're with us for the first time, we want to let you know how happy we are that you would join us. You know, it's so great to see that people connect week after week. And whether you're watching us or listening to this, we are so grateful for you. We want to send a greeting. Our statistics online tell us that quite a few countries around the world actually hear and Uh, connect to our message and uh, we're so grateful for that. We are glad that we can be a blessing to you and we just want to welcome you. Uh, Before we continue, I want to ask you for one favor. If these services are a blessing to you, we want to ask you to share them with somebody. Whether you send them the link or you know you hit that share button on Facebook or YouTube that you would help us to be able to spread the gospel, that you would be able to help us to spread the message of hope to others. What do you say we pray and then we go into today's message. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be able to have another day and to be able to use that day, Lord, to spend some time with you. Father, we draw to your word, not just to increase our knowledge, but most importantly, to inform and transform our heart, Lord. I pray that you give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And that what we learn today, that we would use it to love you and others better. Father, teach us something new about you. Correct any wrong ideas, beliefs we may have of you. But most importantly, that we may live what we learn today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, we're in a series. We're going through a series that we've titled, Elevate Your Life. And look at what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 40, verse 31. This has been our uh, theme verse for this series. The prophet Isaiah says, but the Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high. You know, we want to remind you that the desire of our Lord Jesus Christ is to be able to elevate our lives, to be able to draw us closer and closer to the Father. Because as we draw closer to God, that elevates our life. You know, as we were preparing for this message, the following picture was brought to mind regarding the action of elevating. It's something that the Holy Spirit um, illuminated us with. And uh, I want you to picture this with me. Picture flying a kite in the wind. Can you picture that? I, I bet that most likely some kind of childhood memory of you flying a kite came to mind. What a wonderful memory, right? One of my favorite memories flying a kite was when we took a trip to uh, Puerto Rico and we were in San, old San Juan and, and there's this big beautiful park there and we were flying a kite with my little girl. You know, that's, flying a kite is thrilling. There's a great emotion. There's something special about elevating a kite really high. 
And I want to show you a few things about uh, a kite um, that the Holy Spirit showed me. And the first is that there's a couple of, of elements that are necessary for a kite to elevate, to fly high. The first is that there's got to be wind. Second is that there's a string attached to the kite that allows you to stay in control of it. The third element of a kite in order to fly is the design. This one happens to be some form of a diamond, but there's also nicer, fancier ones. And then there's also the material. The material of a kite is very important. If you don't have a light, proper material, you won't be very successful at flying a kite. And then the last thing, but the last element about a kite is obviously the person. If you have all these things, but you don't have a person to fly the kite, well, the kite simply won't fly. And we want you to know that elevating your life is a lot like flying a kite. And that's what we've been looking at through this series. That Jesus wants to elevate our lives, even in these difficult, unwanted, unlikely years. He wants to be able to take us and rise us above the situations that we're in and bring us closer to the Father. So just as there's elements to a kite, there's also elements to help our kite, our life, be able to elevate higher. Let me show you what some of those elements are that elevate our life. We've seen them throughout the past weeks. The first element is the element of fasting. And what fasting does is that fasting removes the things that prevent us from being able to go up, from being able to go to the heights that God wants to take us. Those things that weighed in us like sin or bad attitudes or bad habits, those things that don't benefit, those things in our life that are going to hold us down. Fasting is a tool to remove those things. The second element to be able to fly the kite of our life is prayer. And prayer is that string that holds the kite. It is the string that keeps us together and connected to God. And when we connect to God, we'll fly high. We'll reach higher elevations. The third element and the one we've talked about is the word of God. And see, the word of God is the instructions on how to make your kite soar high. And the last element is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is one of the most essential, important ones. Because the Holy Spirit represents the wind. And the wind is the force that elevates the kite. The Holy Spirit is the force, is the power, is the person that, that elevates our spiritual lives and takes us where God wants us to go. So you see, elevating your life is a lot like flying a kite. When you have the right elements... You can have tons of fun. And you know, one of the really cool things, and if you're anything like me, when I would fly a kite, I, uh, one of the things that I would do is, is see how high I could take it. See how high I could let it go. And sometimes I wanted to be able to let it fly so high that I couldn't see it from where I was. And that's what God wants to do. God wants to take you to places that you have not imagined. God wants to do things that you may not even be able to conjure up on your own. And God wants to elevate your life. 
So that's why we're doing this series. And what we want to do today is we want to be able to share with you the next element to elevate your life. And that next element that elevates our life is worship. We elevate our lives. Our lives are elevated when we worship. Let me share a few things about worship. The first thing is a question. You may be asking, well, Pastor Nestor, what is worship? Well, worship is the attitude of approaching God and being in his presence. Worship is an attitude where you come before God and you delight in his presence. It is approaching God in terms that he has proposed. We don't get to define how we worship. He gets to define how he's worshiped. Worship is addressing God in the way that he makes possible. And see, we our desire in life needs to be to be able to elevate as high as possible. And when we come to God, when we draw to God through worship, our lives are elevated. Because worship brings you higher and higher and closer and closer to God. See, worship takes you to his presence, takes you to the mercy seat, to the mercy throne of grace. In worship, we approach God with reverence and respect. We are before his presence to adore him by prostrating ourselves, by kneeling down, by pouring out our heart. And we do that because when you are drawn to his presence through worship, you recognize his greatness, his majesty, his power, his love and his faithfulness and worship is an expression that needs to birth that needs to bro that needs to flow from the depths of our hearts unto God that's worship now the second thing you got to know about worship is that worship should be directly should be directed only to God that's what the word of God teaches that's what the Bible teaches and it's not a suggestion it's not an idea. It's a commandment. The word of God tells us that we are to love the Lord our God above all things. That we are to not have other gods before him. That we are to worship the one. That we are to worship the one and only true God. See, worship is so important because worship is the greatest expression that as human beings that we can offer to God. And the enemy knows how important worship is. So he tries to deviate our worship into other things. He tries to get us to worship our job, to worship possessions, to worship our family, to worship our own ability, to worship ourselves, to worship comfort. Because he knows that worship is one of the greatest expressions that we human beings can offer. And the Bible is very clear that our worship should be only to the one and only true God. In fact, the enemy even tried this with Jesus. Did you know that? That the enemy tried to get Jesus to take his worship and, and give it to Satan instead of giving it to the Father? Look at what the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 4 verses 5 through 8. Look at, look at what, the, what the Dr. Luke, Dr. Luke, what he writes in his gospel. He says, then the devil took him up, and that's Jesus, and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. 
So this must have been a very magical moment because at one moment, Jesus saw all the kingdoms throughout all the time through the existence of humanity. And here's what the devil tells Jesus. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will what? Worship me. And see, worshiping the devil is not something that most people do. And if the devil had his way, he would have you worship him. But he knows that most of us are not going to fall for that. So what is it that he tries to do? He tries to get us to worship anything else as long as we don't worship God. How did Jesus reply? Well, here's what Jesus said. The scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And serve him only. See, the devil promised Jesus something in return for his worship. And I want you to know that he's still up to his old habits today. He is still doing that today. He's still offering people something in return for their worship. And let me tell you, everything and anything that the enemy can offer you will not last. So don't fall for it. The only one who is worthy of our worship, the only one who can truly promise you and give you something that will last in return for your worship is the only true God. God. And the Bible makes it very clear that we are to only worship God and God alone. The third thing that you got to know about worship is that the Bible tells us that we are to worship at all times and that we are to worship at all times in and by the Spirit. See, worship is much more than rituals or, or a place. While worship involves raising your hands and singing, worship is not limited to those things. See, we don't only worship when we're in church or when we're in a service. The last few months, we haven't been able to do that. We haven't been able to gather like we used to. We haven't been able to attend our building. Well, these last few uh, weeks we have, but for the most part of this year, we haven't been able to, to do those things. But that didn't mean we weren't able to worship. We should have still been worshiping. See, because worship is an attitude. Worship is an intention, is a, de a desire of the heart. Look at what John 4, 23 and 24 tells us about Jesus. Here, Jesus is having that famous encounter with the Samaritan woman, right? And this is a very popular verse that you may be familiar with. But look at what John 4, 23 and 24 says. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now. And let me tell you that that time is here and it's now. What time is that, Nestor? What time is that, Pastor? What time is that, Jesus? What are you talking about? Well, here's what Jesus meant. He says, the time is here. Indeed, it's now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. See, in this passage, the Samaritan woman that is talking to Jesus, she brings this theological, religious argument. And she says, hey Jesus, so should we worship in Jerusalem only? Or can we worship here in Samaria? 
and, and here's what Jesus says. He says, worship is much more than a place. And you know, sometimes we fall for that too. We think that the only place we can worship is when we're in church, when there's some kind of official church gathering going on. Can I tell you where my favorite place to worship are? My two favorite places to worship is first in my car, especially when I'm by myself, because as you can tell, I don't have a good singing voice. But if I'm in my car, then I can sing as loud as I can and not have my wife or kids laugh at me, but allow me to delight in the presence of God. My second favorite place to worship is in our dinner table. You know, sometimes as a family, when we're having dinner, I'll tell Alexa to play a song and suddenly we'll burst into worship. We'll worship the Lord. We'll sing to him. We'll, we'll talk about his goodness because that's what worship is. If we limit worship to only when we're in church, well, then we won't be able to worship at all times. And see, in this passage that we just read, Jesus said something very important. He says, God is spirit. And those who worship him need to do it in spirit. They need to do it in spirit and by the spirit. Last week we spoke about, about the, the work of the Holy Spirit, the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And see, true worshipers, according to Jesus, worship the Father First and foremost, because I don't want you to think that you don't need to go to church to worship. I heard somebody say, well, you know, I don't need to go to church to worship God. I can worship God from the golf course. Well, you know, I think they're worshiping the wrong God in the wrong course. But Jesus said that true worshipers, first and foremost, worship in the spirit and by the Spirit. They are not limited to a building, to a ritual. And this is not an excuse again to say, I don't need to go to church. Because see, when you're in the Spirit, you're going to want to worship God at all times, no matter where you are. You know, my mother-in-law, she, she's a very amazing woman. You know, sometimes we'll be driving and she'll burst into these moments of worship. The presence of God just comes upon her in the middle of driving somewhere or being in some kind of gathering. Because when you're in the spirit, you are not confined to a day of the week. You are not confined to a physical place to be able to experience the presence of God. And see, God wants true worshipers who worship in spirit and by the spirit. The fourth thing you got to know about worship is that worship is the main thing that we will do in heaven. Worship is, is what heaven is a lot about. And I don't want you to think, although we're going to talk, uh, we're going to look at a passage, I don't want you to think that in heaven it's going to be this one big long worship service. No, I already told you worship is much more than just singing. Worship is an attitude of the heart. More importantly, worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not just something we do, but it's something we live. But look at what the book of Revelations, chapter 14, verses 9 and 10, what John tells us he saw when he was transported to heaven. Let, read it with me. Look at what it says. Whenever the living beings 
give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders. What do these individuals do? Fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you please. See, in these verses, John tells us that he sees four living creatures and that these living creatures, they do something. They bow before the Lord, but that they also sing unto the Lord. And see here, 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 here's what you need to know. John sees everybody worshiping the Lord. They're bowing their crowns before him. They're bowing before God. And in heaven... God is worshipped continually. In heaven, there is always worship that is going before the throne of God. And in heaven, we're going to worship God for eternity. See, you have to be a true worshiper now. The reason we make singing part of our services is not because it's a tradition. It's not so that we can have something to fill the hour. No, no, no. It's because here on earth, we get to practice what we're going to do in heaven. And it is about coming before the presence of God. It is about bringing our heart. It is about bringing our affection. It is about bringing our gratitude before the Lord. Bowing before him. Being before him. Recognizing his greatness. Recognizing his power. Recognizing his faithfulness. And worshiping him with all that we are and have. So if you're not practicing here, you might not enjoy heaven too much. So worship is what we're going to do in heaven. And then last but not least is a very important question as we talk about worship. Why should we worship God? And I'm going to assume for granted that you know that we need to worship God because he's great. Because he's the only true God. But let me give you a personal reason. Let me give you a very personalized reason. I believe that we can all worship and we should worship God because we are grateful for all he has done for us. Has done great things? Has done, has God done great things for you? Of course the answer is yes. Has done, has God done amazing things? Of course the answer is yes. And see, there should be gratitude that should lead to worship. Look at what Luke 17, 11 through 19. Look at the story that Luke tells us. It says, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy, it stood at a distance. And leprosy in those days was kind of like, like AIDS or cancer in our days. It was one of the worst diseases that you could get. It was incurable and, and leprosy was considered to be a direct punishment from God. Verse 13, look at what it says. Crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back.
back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. See, in this passage, although it's rich, and I would love to be able to develop it so much more, but here's what you need to know. Ten men, ten men with leprosy receive healing from Jesus. But only one bother to return to God to worship him because there was gratitude in his heart because Jesus healed him. Now, check this out. This is so beautiful. Jesus healed 10 men, but only one returned to bow before God to worship him because there was gratitude in his heart. And in return... God did something even greater than healing his body. He healed his soul and he offered them and gave him salvation. See, when there's gratitude in our heart for the things God has given us, for the things he has done, and we come before him and we bow, God has greater things for us. So why should we worship? Why should we bow before God? Well, because of the things he has done for us. Reminds me of a story, true story. It says that when the American hostages came home from Iran on January 20, 1981, the first thing these hostages did when they got off the plane and landed on American soil was to kiss the ground. No matter what stars or achievements they had earned while they were in service, as soon as they hit the ground from Iran, they bowed down and they kissed it. And they said, home, sweet home. They bowed down and they put their clean lips on dirty tarps, on dirty ground. And they were willing to kiss it. They were willing to go down. Why? Because they knew where they had been, and they knew where they were now. You know, many Christians today have stopped bowing before the Lord because they have forgotten where they came from, where they came from. They have forgotten that they were hostages of sin, of Satan, of deception, of death, and that God rescued them and he made them free and he brought them to eternal life and he brought them to a good place. And when you forget what God has done, you would stop bowing down and worshiping him. See, when we approach God with gratitude in our hearts, and an attitude of worship. We're always going to receive more from his fountain of grace and goodness. Why worship? Well, because God deserves it. But also because we are grateful for all he has done. If today you are facing difficulties, if today you find yourself in a stage of life where maybe things are not going well, maybe you're struggling physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, or even spiritually. We're doing this series to remind you that your life could still be elevated.
And one way, the one way we've talked about today, and you're welcome to go back and listen to the past weeks. One way to elevate yourself out of that misery, out of that difficult place, is through worship. If you've ever been on a plane and you've had the misfortune of experiencing turbulence, you know how nasty, how scary it is when that plane shakes up and down inside and inside. And one of the things that pilots do when turbulence comes is that they elevate the airplane to higher grounds. They elevate that airplane out of those clouds, out of that storm, so that peace can return. Worship elevates your life because in worship, we have an encounter with a living God who has done great things for us and who is worthy of our praise. Before we end, if you have not opened your heart to Jesus, we want to tell you that sin separates you from God. Sin doesn't allow you to be able to come to God. But God in his goodness sent his son to pay for your sins so that you can have access to the presence of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And when he shed his blood, he was able to cleanse us from all sin. So the first step to draw closer to God is to receive Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. And once you accept Jesus, he will elevate your life to higher levels and you will experience an, a, a, the presence of God every time closer and closer. So I want to invite you to receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.